0: Come on. Come on, who's grateful for the hope you have in Jesus? Hey, good morning, Rev City family. You could be seated. So good to be with you if you're here in the room. Great to be with you if you're continuing to join us and worshiping with us online. Grateful for you. So thankful for you making the time and the effort to connect and worship together as a church family. And if you have your Bible with you this morning, would you turn or click to Acts chapter 27? And we're gonna continue this morning in our series, Anchored. And listen, the Apostle Paul, when, as we pick up this story, he's had his radical conversion experience. He's gone from being Saul of Tarsus, persecuting the church even to the point of death. And He's encountered the gospel, the, the saving, the freeing gospel of Jesus Christ. He's been radically changed. And now he's the Apostle Paul being used of God in a mighty way to strengthen and establish and edify the New Testament church. But where we pick up the story, he's been arrested, imprisoned for his faith. He's being delivered to stand trial for his faith before Caesar, and it's where we pick up the story. Verse 13, Acts chapter 27. And it says, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But before very long, a wind of hurricane force swept down from the island. Listen, they they started out when things started. It was a gentle south wind, and quickly they find themselves in a storm. And how many of you can relate? You feel like you're going through some things you didn't sign up for. Come on, is it just me? That's where we find the Apostle Paul and these men who were on this ship. They started out in a tranquil sea, And quickly, they're in a storm. And it says the ship was caught by that very storm. Verse 15, could not head into the wind. So watch what it says. Catch this. We gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. In other words, they allowed themselves to drift. And bear with me if you've heard this before, but it will just catch those who might be joining us for the first time up to speed. The inspiration for this series, Anchored, Because how many know it's important? We're going through some storms. It's important that the people of God in this season be anchored to who God is and who we are in him. And the inspiration for this, a few weeks ago, I was at a beautiful Clinton Lake. I was fishing and trolling around there, and I hooked what I thought was a big fish. I thought I had caught a three-foot walleye, and I got it in, and what was not a three-foot fish was instead a six-foot log. And I was disappointed by what I thought was a big fish that turned out to be this log. And and then I was distracted because it was a tangled mess and I was having to focus on keeping my other line going and keeping my boat moving forward and untangling the mess. And in the midst of disappointment of what I expected and distraction of dealing with the thing that had happened that I didn't anticipate happening, I became discouraged And I realized, I looked up, and I realized I had begun to drift. My motor had died, and in the midst of disappointment and distraction, I had drifted. And I looked up and saw, I had drifted to a dangerous place, up against the rocks, the south wind blowing me against the north shore. I couldn't get the motor started, I'm still distracted by the mess, that all the things that were entangled. And I had drifted to a dangerous place, and the Lord started speaking to me. It was the inspiration for this entire message. That what I had experienced in the natural, the danger of drifting to a dangerous place is even more real in the spiritual that you cannot afford to drift in your spiritual life. That you rarely will drift to your desired destination. You almost always drift to a dangerous place. You don't wake up on the brink of divorce. You drift to that place, away from God and away from your spouse. You don't wake up in the full throes of bondage and addiction You drift to that place away from the Lord and away from that place of freedom. The Lord just began to speak to me in my own life. What I had experienced in the natural, that dangerous place of drifting up against that rocky shoreline, I began to realize was true in many ways in my spiritual life. Because of everything that we're going through, just all the things that have been interrupted, the isolation, the inconveniences, that there were some places where I had begun to drift. And the Lord began to just beckon to me, call to me, and inspire me to come and to speak to you about the importance of being anchored to Jesus Christ in the midst of the storms. Every great life of faith, every great marriage, every great family, every great business, every championship team, They are built by grace, but never by accident. You rarely drift to a place of greatness. It happens by the power of decision and determination and dedication. And hear me, people of God, especially in this season, where how many of you would agree there's some storms that are raging? We have to be anchored to God. I mean, not in a casual way. This is not a season for casual, lukewarm Christianity. This is a season for us to know who we are in Christ and to know the God we serve and to stand firm and to stand fast upon his word. We've got to determine, decide, and dedicate ourselves to this in the way similar that Joshua modeled to us when he said, if it seems right, if it doesn't seem pleasing for you to serve God, if, if you want to continue to serve the, goddess, the gods of the Euphrates, the land that God brought us out from, or if you want to continue to serve the God of the Amorites, the, the land in which we currently find ourselves in. In other words, if you want to serve the gods, the things that you want served, or if you want to serve the things that are popular according to the culture of today then so be it for yourself. But he showed us this, this power of decision and determination. He said, as for me and as for my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the kind of quality, determined decision and dedication that we must be anchored to in the midst of the storm. Listen, if we are not, hear me, people of God, this is a critical message. These are This is not business as usual. The days that we live in, if we are not anchored to God, Anchored to who he is, anchored to who we are in him, anchored to what his word has to say, we can look up and find ourselves in a dangerous place, just like they did in Acts chapter 27, where in verse 29 it says, fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and they prayed for daylight. And I've encouraged us in the previous messages and I'm just catching us up to speed and keeping us all together before we get in today's word. I've encouraged us with four anchors that, These are more than just an alliteration, more than just four things that happen to start with the letter P. They're four things that if we really will focus on as believers in Jesus Christ, that they are things that keep us anchored to a healthy, thriving, dynamic spiritual life even when we're going through and as we're going through the storms of life. God's presence, that we have to be people of God's presence. I mean, every morning as we rise and every night as we go to sleep and all throughout our day hitting our knees and looking to God saying, Lord, I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your discernment. I need your favor. I need your protection. I need your provision. I cannot do it in my own strength acknowledging that in prayer and constantly throughout our day, praising him and giving him thanks that he's going to provide those things just like he's done before because he's faithful. God's presence, staying connected to God's presence. Hear me, if you look up today and you find yourself having drifted to a place where you're spiritually dry or weary, you're tired in your soul, I believe that one of the things you might find about your life is that you've drifted from God's presence. Or the second P, God's promises that every day we would be in God's word, reminding ourselves and and reaffirming to ourselves about what God's word has to say about what we're going through. Every day, I mean, come on, there's a principle. When the Lord was delivering the people out of Israel or out of Egypt, rather, to the promised land, leading them through the wilderness, he sent manna from heaven, but he would not allow them to gather up more than what would feed them for one day with the exception of the Sabbath where there was a two-day allotment. Well, every day you've got to be in God's word saying, Lord, what's your, br- give us this day, give me this day, daily bread, Lord, from your word, God's presence, God's promises, God's people, being connected to God's people. And we can look around and see how the enemy is using the storms that we're going through to try to isolate us and separate us and divide us with the pandemic and the quarantine and the racial unrest. We must be unified together as God's people. Come on, we need one another and we are better together. And God's purposes that we can't allow the storms of life and the drifting and all those things to cause us to lay down the purposes of God for our life. Listen, I'm just telling you, those are four anchors to your faith in Jesus Christ. Being a man of God, a woman of God who is committed to every day be found in God's presence, digging into God's promises, connected to God's people, the, the church of Jesus Christ and the people in our community who need Jesus and that we've been entrusted to share him with them and staying connected to God's purposes. And I shared with us four anchors, four commitments to help us live that out, that in a culture that lives casually towards their faith, that we're called to be people of priority, people of pursuit, people of passion, people of perseverance, prioritizing what matters to God, pursuing after him, saying, Lord, I'm thankful for what you've already done in my life, but I need more of you if I'm going to make it through. Passion for God in our hearts, saying, Lord, I don't just want to... To know you, I want to know you with all my mind, all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. That's the way that your word calls me to serve you and to know you and perseverance. Understand, there are going to be obstacles. There's going to be opposition. We have got to live on a persevering faith. Being anchored to Jesus, anchored to Jesus, anchored to Jesus. Hebrews 6.19 says we have this hope, the hope of Jesus, the hope we have in him, and it describes it as an anchor for our soul firm and secure. Another translation says strong and trustworthy. The last two weeks, we've talked about the anchor of identity. Paul said it this way in Acts twenty twenty seven, where we kind of uh, gleaned a, a, a verse that underlined the significance of this. Paul said, last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve came to me, stood with me, spoke to me, brought courage to me. The God to whom I belong and whom I serve in the middle of the storm, you gotta know who you are in Christ. There's a battle over your identity. We see it being waged in all sorts of different ways over gender, over sexuality, over racial identity. There's a battle over identity. And you better know that it's true that anywhere there's power, potential, or promise in God for you and for your marriage and your family and your future, the enemy of your soul is going to come and try to oppose, to separate you, isolate you, or cause you to lay down and forsake something that God has called you to be anchored to. There's power in knowing who you are. When you're going through the storms, I belong to God. My life is not my own. And my purpose in God is greater than the storm that I'm going through. We must know our identity in Christ. And then last week, I talked to us about if it's significant that we know who we are in Christ, it's important that we know who the God is that we serve. And Paul said, he, he, he said, keep your courage, man. I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. In other words, Paul knew his God was faithful. Paul knew his God was good. And on the outside, the circumstances didn't line up with the word that he had in his heart. But in the middle of the storm, he reminded himself of who he was in Christ and who his God was. It looks like the ship is sinking. It looks like the storm is raging, but God will see us through because I know who my God is. I know who I am in Christ, and I know who my God is. Last week, we talked about the most important question that will ever be asked of us, the most important question. Your answer to this question reverberates throughout eternity, and we found it where Jesus approached his disciples, and he said, who do men say that I am? And some said, Elijah. Some said, John the Baptist. Them said, you're a good man, a prophet. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and he said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Jonah, because flesh and blood, the spirit of the world, the culture of the day did not reveal this to you. There's a myriad of opinions about who Jesus is. And we see that today more than ever. But he said, blessed are you. For flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. And I say, you're Peter, Petros, the rock. And on this rock, I'm gonna build my church. And I encouraged us that Peter was not the rock. What If we know about Peter, if we read about Peter, Peter was up one day and down the next. He was in one day and out the next. He was anything but a rock. The rock was the revelation of who Jesus was to him in the midst of a culture who saw Jesus in all these different ways. He said, on this rock, I'll build my church. The revelation that I am the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the chosen one, the risen one, the Lamb of God that was sent to pay the sin and to to wipe away the sins of the world and make whole and make new and make redeemed and restore back to a relationship with the good heavenly Father, the sons and daughters. knowing who you are in Christ, knowing who he is, the most important question, the answer that you give to that question determines and reverberates all throughout eternity. Who do you say that he is? And this week, I'm gonna talk to you about the most common question. If that's the most important question, this is the most common question. And a lack of ability to answer this question causes many people to drift to and fro throughout life aimlessly, carelessly, callously, the answer to this question, if we get it right, causes us to be anchored. And the most important question is who is Jesus to you? The most common question that I hear and that I I receive as a pastor is what has God called me to do with my life? What's the purpose for my life? What is God's will for my life? And I wanna talk to you today about the anchor of vision. And I wanna approach it a little bit differently. I'm gonna lay some foundations today that'll help us to, in the coming weeks, get a little bit more practical into how we establish a vision for our life. But this is important because Proverbs 29:18 says this, where there is no vision, my people perish. Another translation says that same verse this way, where there is no prophetic vision, my people cast off restraint. It says prophetic vision. In other words, a vision for your life that is inspired by the Holy Spirit values, goals, plans for your life, for your marriage, for your future that are inspired by the Holy Spirit, a prophetic vision, where there is not that type of a vision, where people don't get in the presence of God and hear from the heart of God. The answer to that question, Lord, what's my purpose? What's your will for my life? The Bible says people cast off restraints. Here's what that means. It means people live carelessly, casually, or callously towards God if I don't know who I am and what God's called me to do and the vision and the values for my life, my marriage, my family, my workplace, my ministry, I, I, I don't know how to make decisions, but a, a divine, Holy Spirit, God, God's word-affirmed vision for your life begins to bring you prophetic direction to make godly decisions for your future. And listen, that's important because your life really is the sum total of your daily decisions. I mean, you need to hear that. Think about that this morning. The life that God has entrusted to you, the marriage that God has blessed you with, the family, the children, the job, the business, everyday decisions. How do I respond? What do I say? How do I react? Your life is the sum total of those decisions. The decisions that you make are making you. And there is a vision that God has for your life. But I I say it this way, I've said it before, it's worth repeating. The the pathway to your life vision is paved by daily decision. Without a Holy Spirit inspired, God affirmed, because God will never, God's Spirit will never call you to something that doesn't line up with His Word. A prophetic vision, a Holy Spirit, God's word affirmed vision for your life begins to bring direction. You don't have it, you cast off restraint which leads to a life that the Bible even describes as perishing. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm being tossed to and fro. I don't know who I am or what I'm called to do. God desires for us as his people to have that kind of a vision, a Holy Spirit-inspired vision for our life. The most common question, what has God called me to do with my life? You know, I've heard it said that leaders, Christian leaders are not necessarily the ones that always have the right answers Oftentimes, Christian leaders are the ones who are willing to ask the right questions. And is it possible that maybe that question, in the way that I'm framing it, what am I called to do with my life, is not the right question that we need to ask? Is it possible there's a better question that we could be asking, that the answer to which will allow us to actually begin to answer that most common question about what is the purpose for my life? What am I called to do? Romans 12, verse two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, thinking differently about things, being willing to not go with the flow, but being willing to say, Lord, help me to think differently, and that that transforms me. And it look, it says, when you allow God to do this, not being conformed to the way that the world is telling you to go, but being transformed by thinking differently, being willing to look at things differently, ask different questions, it says that's when you'll be able to test and approve. Another translation says to know what God's will is for your life. And look, he has a will, a good, a pleasing, a perfect will for your life. Look at Mark chapter three. Turn to Mark chapter three. And I love how God's word, sometimes a verse that you've read dozens of times. I've read this verse dozens, maybe a hundred times or more, but I've never seen it quite the way that I saw it this week. Something jumped out of this passage that began to speak to me about how to ask a better form of the most common question. And look what it says, Mark chapter three, verse 13 through 14. And it says, he went up on the mountain speaking of Jesus. And watch what it says. Jesus went on the mountain and called to him, say to him, those he himself wanted. Say wanted, these are important words in the scripture. And they came to him, say it again, to him. And watch what it says in verse 14. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Say with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have the power, come on, to heal sickness and cast out demons. It says he called those that he wanted to him that they might be with him. Then he called them to go and preach and to minister and to represent him. He called them to him, let me say it again, to be with them before what he asked them to do for him. In other words, the world is asking, what am I called to do, what am I called to do, what am I called to do? Maybe the better question is, who am I called to become? And maybe we need to begin to put the who before the do. The who before the do. Maybe this is the better question. Lord, who are you calling me to become? He said, I'm calling those that I wanted. Listen, you need to hear this today. God is it God called you to, to know him because he really wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you that transcends religion. He's more interested in knowing you and knowing you intimately in spite of your past, in spite of the storm that you're walking through today. He's more interested in knowing you, with you, with him. He's more interested in what he's called you to be with him to do than more, more than what he's called you to do for him. The, the who came before the do. The why came before the what. The pattern of this world is to focus on do instead of who, and what instead of why. Even in the church, we tend to say this. And listen, I'm not being legalistic about this because I, I get it. I mean, we we, we we can continue to say this, but there's a there's a subtle shift that's significant. We tend to think about what God has called us to do for Him. What what can I do for God? And again, it's subtle, but maybe we ought to shift that and start to say, what has God called me to do with him? Jesus called those to him, those he wanted with him. He's not as interested in what you can do for him as much as he wants you to just be with him. And the spirit of religion is all about what can I do, what can I do, what I do and my strength, my works be made right with God. And it's inevitably a cycle for disappointment and failure because we do, we do, we do, and then we fail. And Jesus said, I, I, I created you. Your purpose for your life is not as much about what you do, it's much about who you are and who you know. He created you for an intimate relationship with him. And when we begin to, Live that out, and that begins to be our focus. We begin to become empowered to begin to do the things he's called us to do. Come on, like he said, to preach the gospel, to have the power of God, to heal the sick and save the lost and set people free. It's subtle. Lord, what what have you called me to do for you? That's fine, but maybe the better way to say this, Lord, what have you called me to do with you? Because you created me for a relationship. We've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We can't be conformed to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world is, is what can I do to be deemed a success? And maybe God's interest is more about what can I do to be of significance? The world has this measure and this standard and this neighborhood I gotta live in and this car I gotta drive and this amount of money and this school or university, and maybe some of those things are even fine, but maybe our focus to not be conformed to this world but renewed, be transformed by the renewing of our mind and saying, Lord, what in your heart is success? God's more concerned about significance. The most common question, Pastor T, what has God called me to do with my life? What has God created me for? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Jesus called them to a purpose, but the purpose was founded in a relationship with God. And so I wanna encourage you with some practical foundations of a God-inspired, come on, a prophetic vision, a Holy Spirit-inspired vision, for your life that helps us focus on what's significant instead of what the world deems as success. And number one is to know him, to know him. And it's what I've just been talking about, but the apostle Paul wrote it even more clearly in Philippians chapter three, verse seven through nine. He said, whatever were gains to me, the things that the world considered success and deemed a success, watch what he says right here. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage, rubbish, I might, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, with him. Beyond what I can do for him. And come on, we're called to be doers of God's word. One of the reasons we're called Rev City Church is because we are challenging ourselves to live an active life of faith that goes before the beyond the four walls of the church. We're called to be doers. But first and foremost, and what we do is intended to flow out of a relationship with God. Paul said, I, I've counted all these things, the credentials that I could put on my wall, the things that the world subscribes as success. I've put all those things aside for, for one thing, this one thing, knowing my Lord and my Savior. And when we begin to focus on that, we begin to be strengthened for the things that God has called us to to know him. The psalmist said, oh God, you are my God and earnestly I seek after you, I search after you. The world is seeking after this and seeking after that, the applause of men, the accolades of men and the psalmist knew and he, he was a man who was successful and had the accolades of men but he said this one thing, he said, I earnestly seek after you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole being longs for you. That's the purpose of my life. I just wanna know Jesus a little bit more today than I did yesterday. We're asking the wrong questions. The better question instead of what can I do is, God, who can I become? And I can only become the husband that God's called me to be when I'm found in God's presence. I can only be the father that God's called me to be to my precious kids that he's blessed me with. Come on, they're a gift from heaven from him, and I can't do it in my own strength. That's something I'm called to do, but I can't do it unless I be and become the man that God's called me to be. I can't be the pastor that God's called me to be. That's something that God's called me to do, but I cannot and will not do it in the way that's pleasing to him unless I'm found in his presence. I gotta know my Savior. Number one, to know him. Number two, to please him. To Please him. And Galatians 1 verse 10 says this, for I'm now, for am I rather now seeking the favor of men or of God? It's a great question to ask yourself. Am I striving to please men? Question mark, or because if I was trying to please men, I could not, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. 2 Corinthians five verse nine says, "Therefore, we have as our ambition, our goal, our motivation, our priority, our focus, is what it's saying. Whether we're at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. What's pleasing to God? Who are we making decisions to please or impress? And listen, I, I look around and I see a generation of young people that's struggling and searching for significance and." and struggling for identity, and and struggling for a sense of purpose, and I started to think about this, just thinking about a generation, and thinking about some of those individuals in that generation that I know, and and, and I'm just longing to see them get traction in their life to serving God, and, and fulfilling the purposes of God for their life, and I started to think about it and just realized that things have really gotten complicated, that when I was growing up and graduating from high school and giving consideration of what I would do, there were really just a handful of choices that were obvious, you know, you go to college or you go to university or you go to junior college or you go get a job and begin to go to work. And now there's all these other ideas and, and, and possibilities that are being presented to people and the pressure is even added upon because an entire your entire friends that you've ever known, all your family members and some creepy people that you've never met are following and watching and monitoring every decision and direction of your life through social media. And under the weight of this pressure about fear of making the wrong decision or fear of stepping out or what will people think, what will people say, there's a generation that is at risk of becoming paralyzed, losing their sense of purpose and direction, which always inevitably leads to depression and despair and hopelessness. And the Lord began just speaking to me that it's not about the what, it's about the why that to encourage a young generation to not be as concerned about what, but to be more concerned about why, that there are values that help you to make decisions that allow you to begin to pursue and apprehend a godly, God-ordained vision for your life. In other words, your motivation matters. Your values matter more than your vision. God is more concerned with your character than your calling. If you get to the calling before you build the character, look out. The, the, the Bible says this, in all things, do all things, say all things, as unto the Lord. Whatever you do, it's Colossians chapter three. Do it with all your heart. Whatever it is that God's entrusted you with. Come on, young people, you're, don't get paralyzed by the fear of what's next. Begin to just take what God's put in your hand, the opportunity to wash the cars or bag the groceries or mow the yards or whatever it is and do it as unto the Lord. Do it in a way that honors God. Do it in a way that's pleasing to God. Do it in a way that serves and brings glory to God and brings and, and and serves others that you encounter as you're going about those things. And just watch, just watch how the favor of God begins to rest upon your life. Just watch how faithfulness with those small things, to be worried more about why I'm doing it and how I'm doing it than what I'm doing it, how God begins to take notice and begins to Open up the doors of favor. Come on, open up doors that no man can open it. Close doors that no man can shut and lead you into a life of purpose. Come on, a God-ordained vision for your life. We gotta get the who before the do. We gotta get the why before the what. Would you stand to your feet this morning? And worship team, if you could come and prepare to lead us and having a God-inspired, Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God-affirmed vision for your life is an anchor. Without it, the people cast off restraint. I've got no direction. I've got no conviction about the decisions that I'm making, but with it, come on, man of God, with a vision from God about who you're called to be, a man of character, a man of, in- man of integrity, a man of faithfulness. Come on, we need a generation of men who are faithful to the call of God on their life and faithful to the spouse that God has blessed them with and faithful to the responsibility to raise up their kids and the fear and the knowledge of God serving in their church and serving in their community and giving their all and giving their best as unto the Lord, whatever they've called to do. Come on, we need a generation who gets a vision from God, who begins to live it out according to the values of God. We need a generation of young people. How many of you believe our nation is in a critical moment a pivotal time? A tipping point. We need a generation of young people who will make a decision to do all things as unto the Lord. To dedicate yourself and say, I'm gonna stand for something. There there are winds and there are waves and there are preferences and there are opinions and there are all these ideologies about how to do life. And I'm I'm settling, I'm making a determination as for me, I'm gonna serve the Lord Jesus. And everything that I do, I'm gonna just serve him. I'm gonna do it for his glory. I'm gonna do it for his fame. I'm gonna do it in a way that brings blessing to others. To put the who before the do, to put the why before the what. To be willing to shift and start to see that God's called us to live lives of significance and that's what leads to true success. To not be conformed to the patterns of this world, what the world deems as successful. To say, Lord, help me to, to understand that the number one thing you've called me to do is know you. And As I know you, I get the strength, I find the strength to live in a way that's pleasing to you. I begin to find, I begin to discover. Come on, young people, if you're if you're kind of finding yourself drifting, not knowing what's next, what university do I go to, what what person do I date, come on, make those decisions according to biblical values. And make those decisions found in the presence of God, saying, God, I, I I don't have all the right directions. There's no formula for success. I just want to know you. And I just want to make decisions day by day, by day by day, one upon the other. The pathway to your life vision is daily decision making decisions that please God, making decisions that draw you close to God, making decisions that cause you to be dependent on God. I also felt like that there was a need to minister this morning to people who have, you launched into something, a life of purpose, a life of serving God and knowing God. And just like the apostle Paul and the men who were on this ship in Acts chapter 27, when you set for sail, the winds were calm and quickly you began to find yourself in a storm. And you look up today, and you say, I didn't sign up for this. I mean, the, the way, the condition of my marriage, the condition of my finances, whatever it is for you right now, I just believe that the Lord wanted to come and strengthen, encourage, bring hope, re- renew hope to those who are who find themselves in a storm today. Maybe you once knew and had a, an idea, the vision for your life and, and it's been tested by challenging situations, unforeseen situations. Listen, if that's you, would you just put your hands out before the Lord? Just, it's, I think it's just important to respond, to receive. See, that's me, I'm I'm in a discouraging place. I've been distracted, disappointed, discouraged, and it's causing me to drift. And Lord, thank you for those who in this room and online are responding and recognizing, and thank you, Lord, for the reality. When we get real to just say that before you, Lord, it's not when you find out about it, it's just when we begin to apprehend the power of the Holy Spirit to be set free from it. And so, Lord, I speak life, I speak hope, I speak courage, I speak renewed strength, Lord. I pray that they would Once again, Lord, if they've drifted from your presence or drifted from your promises, that in this season, even in the midst of the storm, they would come back to that place and they would begin to discover, Lord, that intimacy with you, that relationship with you in a way that begins to empower them to navigate the decisions and the determinations that need to be made to navigate the storm and make it to the other side. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. I wanna pray for young people who maybe are struggling with a sense of identity or purpose. And I wanna remind you and encourage you that you were not created by accident, you were created on purpose for a purpose by a good God. But the first priority of your life has gotta be knowing Him, knowing Him, knowing Him, knowing Him. It's in His presence that you're gonna find life's purpose and it's knowing Him that's gonna lead you to a true life of significance over success. Come on, isn't that what success looks like for the people of God? Come on, living out your life in a way that's pleasing to God, that's faithful to God. Too many people are struggling because of comparison and they're saying this standard or that standard and they fall short and it gets leads to frustration and discouragement. Today, young people of God, be set free from that in Jesus' name. There's a purpose for your life and it's found in his presence. And if you'll dedicate yourself to knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing his word, being in his presence, just watch how he'll begin to connect you and open up the opportunities that will lead you to The spouse he has for you, the career that he has for you, the calling that he has for you, the place that he has for you, he's got a hope and a future for you, and it's good. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord. And then lastly, I felt compelled to pray for anyone who's up against a decision. A pivotal moment, a decision. And you maybe don't know where to go and you're kind of apprehensive about the decision or unsure and insecure, and if that's you today, I really believe that the Lord wants to speak into that situation and begin to give you wisdom for taking the step and also faith to know that the word of God says, anywhere your foot shall tread, I'll give it to you. The word of God has said, even when you go through difficult seasons and sometimes we can bring those things upon ourselves through bad choices or bad decisions, even when you go through that, I'll be with you and I'll take that thing and I'll even use it for your good if you'll just continue to love me and continue to serve and fulfill the purposes of God for your life. So be released from the fear that causes you to be inactive and to hold back and shrink back and risk being on the sidelines of the life, the adventurous life of faith that God's called you to. If anyone's up against a decision, would you just raise your hand before God and say, Pastor Pee, that's me. There's a decision that I have to make about my business, about my marriage, about my kids, about, come on, maybe even shrink that down to some decisions that you have about what you're gonna do for your kid's education this fall what you're gonna do for the the childcare, for the employees. What are you, I mean, there's just a lot of decisions that we have before us, and I wanna pray for you and just ask that the Lord will give you wisdom, that the Lord will stir faith, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for wisdom from heaven. Thank you, Lord, for courage and faith from heaven to make a decision that's found in your presence. Make a decision that we would worry more about the why than than the what, the values of, of the decision, Lord, would drive our decision. Not the fear of man, not the applause of man, but just a desire to be pleasing to you, God. And I thank you for that, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would just, again, bring hope, bring strength, bring courage, bring faith, bring freedom to your people today, God. And just stay in an atmosphere of prayer right there. I, I thank you, Lord, for reminding us today that you're concerned more about a relationship with us than what you've called us to do for you, God. And I pray that you would call us back to that place. If, if any of us have gotten caught up in that religious trap of, 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 of religious works, dead works, doing things to be right with God and doing things to, be, to look and appear successful in the eyes of the world, Lord, break us out of that today and take us back to that place of being sons and daughters and having a relationship with a good Heavenly Father. And I thank you, Lord, for how that will refresh our prayer time refresh our time in your word. That's part of what God wants to do is shift us out. That's not a religious obligation, that's an invitation to a place of relationship, a place of dialogue with your Father, a place of of expressing your needs, your desires, your dreams, your concerns, your cares to Him. Opening up your heart to say, Lord, now would you come, and I've shared my dreams, my desires, my cares, my concerns, now would you begin to speak in a way that brings hope and freedom and strength and courage in a renewed way today? Thank you, Lord, that that getting into your word, digging into your promises, Lord, it's not a religious obligation. It's an invitation to discover and read and be reminded of the heart of the Father and the will of God for our lives. Take us back to that place, God, in Jesus' name. Just stay in a prayerful position. Those of you who are here in this room, those of you who are tuning in online, and you're far from God. You've drifted from God, maybe you once knew him and served him, you grew up in the church, but you looked up today and you would say, Pastor T, it really is true about my life. I've had some disappointments that led to some distractions, some discouragements caused me to drift away from him, I'm far from him. Or maybe you're here today or tuning in online and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and discovered the amazing feeling of having all the weight of guilt, shame, and condemnation that is caused by the sin that each of us has in our lives being lifted off of us by the free free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Free to us, it was a high price that he paid. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you right now, right now, begin to respond in your heart and say, that's me, Lord, I'm coming home to you. I need Jesus, Jesus, I need you in my life. I recognize I've drifted from you, I need you. Come and forgive my sins, come and make me whole, come and restore me back to relationship. Right there where you are, just begin to respond in your heart. And I wanna ask you as you're responding in your heart to also just lift your hand towards him to say, that's me. It's just one small step, an outward way to begin to recognize what God's doing in your heart. What matters is what he's doing in your heart. But now he's calling you to begin to respond to what he's doing in your heart and begin to live it out. This is the first step you can take today, just lifting your hand saying, Lord, you see, my, you see my heart, now see my hand. What's happening in my heart, I want to begin to be able to be seen on the outside the way I live my life. And now we're gonna come alongside those of you in this room who lifted your hand, those of you who are responding online, and we're gonna pray this prayer with you. We do it for a couple reasons. One is to quickly just affirm to you that there's a group of people, a church family known as Rev City Church that wants to come alongside you and begin to encourage you in your fresh or new faith in Jesus Christ. And two, you know why we do it, church families, because even as we're growing in our faith, becoming more mature in our faith, Praying this prayer every week is an anchor that reminds us we still stand only by the grace of God. We never graduate from grace. We need the grace of the cross of Jesus Christ today as much as we did when we were lost as a goose. So come on, let's pray this prayer. Pray it fervently. Realize we're praying this alongside people who are dedicating their lives to Jesus or rededicating. So come on, pray this prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior. I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could not pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. I give you that life, I give you my trust. Because of Jesus, say it again, because of Jesus, I'll never be the same. My life will never be the same. And come on, would you put your hands together and applaud with all of heaven? for the precious people who dedicated their life to Jesus today. And listen friend, if that's you, if that's you and you're joining us online, we would love to hear from you. Would you text New Life to 30500 or you can email Life at revcity.com. We have a gift we wanna send you wherever you are all around the world. It has a Fresh Start Bible just like this one that I'm preaching from and some other discipleship resources to encourage you. If you're in this room and you made that commitment, We have that same gift bag for you. And on your way out today, would you stop by the Welcome Center right there to your left as you're on your way out, and we wanna put that in your hands to encourage you in your fresh faith in Jesus Christ. God has a plan for your life. God has a vision for your life, but more than anything, he wants to know you and know you personally, to be able to call you his son or his daughter. Amen, come on, that's good news, amen. Can we give the Lord a clap and a praise and give him thanks? for that reality in our lives. Come on, let's worship the Lord one more time together today before we're dismissed.